0: headaches, tummy troubles, and more. We talk about how understanding the mind-body connection can help manage the physical symptoms of anxiety, both yours and your kids. And we talk about the marks that 2020 might have left on your body. We'll answer that question in this week's episode of Fluster clucks with Lynn Lyons, the show for real talk about worry and other big feelings in parenting.
1: Hi, I'm Lynn Lyons. I'm an anxiety expert, speaker,
0: mom, and author. I've been a therapist for 30 years. You're here because your family has some anxiety issues or you want to prevent them. I'm your co-host and Lynn's sister-in-law, Robin, and I'm here to ask your questions. Parenting can be a Fluster clucks, and I'll help you find
1: your way. Anxiety is loud and messy, and it's physical, and it brings with it diarrhea and vomiting and headaches and tummy aches and hives and all sorts of physical symptoms that can really confuse kids and parents alike. So let's talk about how anxiety is felt in the body, what you need to know about it, And how, as a parent, you can really help your child learn to manage those physical symptoms of worry and anxiety that actually show up in all of us at some point.
0: Yeah, Lynn, I've noticed just from some of the listener questions that we've gotten that anxiety really has a physical connection to it.
1: It does. And actually, when we're talking about anxiety, technically, the word anxiety refers to those physical reactions You know, we talk about worry, that's the way we think and how we create that scary narrative in our brain. And anxiety, oh my gosh, it brings with us tummy aches and headaches and hives and chest tightness and all sorts of physical symptoms that can be really
0: powerful
1: and really messy. So
0: why is anxiety such a physical experience then? It clearly doesn't stay in your head. It goes into your body.
1: Yeah. Anxiety is so physical because our brains and our bodies are connected. We're designed to have this alarm system.
0: I've seen your talk. So I know that you have been able to really break down very easily that physiological process of anxiety in the brain and how that connects to the body. And you actually have a a video you've made for kids on your website too. But once that anxiety is felt in the body, then it starts showing up in different parts. So, so give us a bit of an overview on that.
1: Yeah. So the physical symptoms of anxiety can include a lot of things. The most common ones are, of course, tummy aches. Anxiety wreaks havoc with the GI symptom. You get headaches. People get muscle aches. You can break out in hives. People throw up, diarrhea, and kids can experience all of these symptoms. So, so w- when we think about it, it, it the, the way to understand this and the way to, to, the way to imagine this is that the response that we have in our body really makes sense if we think about the messages that our brain gets when it thinks we're in danger and then how the brain signals the body to react in order to protect us. So every symptom that we're having with anxiety, whether it be that your heart is pounding or your breathing gets increased and shallow or your stomach starts to hurt, all of those symptoms are actually the result of your brain saying to your body, danger, 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 and then making adaptations to protect you from the grizzly bear that's attacking you. You say you're a little muffin and you're lying in bed and you're imagining that somebody's going to come kidnap you because that's what your worry does at night. Your little prefrontal cortex that's making up this movie about the kidnapper signals another part of your amygdala, and then your body gets activated because it's going to protect you from the kidnapper. So all of these things happen in your body. It's just that you don't understand what's happening. It just feels to you, it feels like you have a tummy ache or it feels like your heart is pounding or it feels like you have diarrhea or it feels like like you don't understand what's happening, but it's actually incredibly well-planned out if there were actually a grizzly bear. But if you're lying in bed imagining a kidnapper, there's no grizzly bear, there's no kidnapper, but then your body acts as if it is in life-threatening danger. And that's why those symptoms are so powerful. And then what happens is you start to have the symptoms and then you start freaking out that you're having the symptoms because who wants to have a tummy ache or who wants to have diarrhea or your heart is pounding and so you freak out because you think you're having a heart attack. So it becomes unfortunately this vicious cycle. If you are actually being chased by a grizzly bear, and for anybody out there who's been chased by a grizzly bear, you can back me up on this. If you've actually been chased by a grizzly bear, when you're running away from the grizzly bear, you're not saying to yourself, oh my gosh, why is my tummy hurting? Or, oh, my fingertips feel a little numb and tingly. That's odd. You don't even notice because that response is fight or flight and it's designed to protect you. And it works that way. But if you're not actually in danger, but you're just worrying or having anxiety, then those responses in your body feel scary. They feel out of place. You mistake
0: them from being for being sick, and it becomes really confusing. First, your New Hampshire husband has been chased by a bear, right? Not by a grizzly bear. Right, because they're not up in New Hampshire, I suppose.
1: Correct. We have had plenty of bear encounters, but... Like one time we are hiking in the Blue Ridge on the Blue Ridge Trail in Virginia and I had a little tiny, tiny baby in a front carrier and there was a black bear up in a tree and it was very, very close to us and my little baby. And so I went and hid. But I've never been chased by a grizzly bear. You're pretty much toast.
0: Do you find that with your clients that you see do children stick to the same physical patterns or is it really kind of up for grabs and that anxiety could manifest in different ways in different times
1: well generally it's kind of interesting because people do tend to have their go-to symptom or pattern of symptoms so if you're a tummy ache person if you if you get a, an upset tummy when you're anxious you, you sort of stay a tummy ache person. There are some people who are headache people. So when they're really stressed or anxious, they get a headache. It tends to be kind of a pattern. It can jump around a little bit. A lot of times, though, when kids are dealing with this, they experience a lot of those things at once. So the way the system works is that it doesn't just pick or choose which symptom it's going to give you because they're all tied in together to help you with your survival. But the ones that bother people tend to be the ones that get the most attention. If you get tummy aches and you really pay attention to tummy aches, maybe you don't even notice that when you're really anxious, your fingers also get a little numb. That's not really something that gets your attention. So tummy achers tend to say tummy achers, head achers tend to say headaches. There's a little bit of moving around, but they pretty much stick to the symptom that gets their attention the most. The other thing too is that it can be really hard for parents and kids to figure out is this anxiety or is it not? And so what happens oftentimes is a lot of kids end up at the pediatrician or then oftentimes they're even referred to a specialist and they're given all sorts of tests and things. This happens a lot with GI stuff going on because the, the parents are trying to figure out if there's, you know, and I'm saying this in finger quotes, really something going on. And the thing to remember is that if you are having physical symptoms because of anxiety, you're really having those symptoms. Like if you throw up when you're anxious, it's not pretend throw up. It's not a different kind of throw up. If you are somebody who breaks out in hives when you get anxious, you really have hives. If you get stress-induced migraines, you really get a headache. And so we have to be careful that when we're talking to kids about their physical symptoms, we're not invalidating that they're feeling that way. Because one of the things that happens very frequently is they perceive it. If you say to a kid, say a kid gets a, gets tummy aches when they're worried. And we say, well, I think your tummy ache is because you're anxious. The way they hear that is you think I'm faking. So we want to make sure that we say you're really having these symptoms. And when we explain why are you having those symptoms? And again, I explained this on the video, but just as a just an interesting point, right? So people say, well, why does my stomach hurt when I'm anxious? One of the things that happens when you're anxious is that your digestive system shuts down. And when your digestive system stops, stops processing the food and digesting, it makes you feel nauseous. So when kids begin to understand that, when kids can can say, oh, so the reason I'm having this symptom is because this is happening, then it makes it less scary. We always want to demystify this thing. We always want to say, well, of course, that's what your tummy is doing because look what happened, the reaction caused this and this, and that way we can talk about the symptoms in a way that doesn't make the child feel defensive about having I them.
0: have another question. When I think of what I've learned from you and some stories and examples that you've shared, I can think mm-hmm. of one where you talk about one of your children going for their driver's test, and and he mm-hmm. was very nervous. And you even made a comment, mm-hmm. like, keeping him in the moment and keeping him grounded because there was an obvious experience he was fearing. He was fearing his mm-hmm. exam. And so he had this anxious mm-hmm. response. But it doesn't always connect so simply, right? Because there's like an anxious state that someone can be in that those physical symptoms come with, but it's not necessarily tied to an event. And therefore, the anxiety might be harder to identify. Right.
1: Yeah. So the memory that you're having is my son was going to get his driver's test and I looked down and his hands were purple with little white dots on them. <laughs> and right. I said, oh, look, your, your body is anxious. And so it's pulling the blood from your digits and bringing it to your core and it's making your hands purple. And he was, you know, you can imagine he's 16 and about to take his driver's test. So he was like, thanks for sharing. Picture the thing that you've always wanted to learn. And now picture that you're learning it from the person who's literally the best in the world at it. It's fantastic, and that's what you get with Masterclass. I recently listened to Matthew Walker's talk on sleep and the importance of consistency with sleep. I loved Bobby Brown's Masterclass. Gave me all these tips about putting on makeup because, you know, I'm in front of a camera sometimes and I want to look good, and Bobby was such a big help. So this year, learn from the best to become your best with Masterclass. Don't just talk about improving. Masterclass Fluster. Get 15% off right now at masterclass.com slash Fluster. Masterclass.com slash Fluster. That's, that's a very good point because when a child is chronically worrying about something, right? So say you've got, and remember, I don't care about the content, but what we know is that anxiety doesn't like uncertainty, so if you have a chronic worrier, if I if you have what I call an equal opportunity worrier, so a child who we would say probably has generalized anxiety disorder, right? Anything that comes up that's new or different or uncertain, and they're always playing this little movie in their head with those worst case scenarios. This is why we don't want to be a catastrophic parent and teach kids to think about worst case scenarios because we're teaching them how to worry. And so when you're worrying all the time, your little amygdala back there is is in a constant state of arousal. I heard somebody once say your amygdala is open for business. And so it's constantly just giving you it's it's filling your body, it's it's sending off the chemical signals that it sends off, right? The adrenaline and the noradrenaline. It's it's telling your body that you're in danger. And it may not be, you know, full-on panic attacky thing, but a constant state of feeling worried and anxious that then gets your body juiced up in that way. So they have a tummy ache all the time, or they have headaches a lot. Every morning before school, they wake up and they have a tummy ache. It can be other physical symptoms too. They can talk about what we call vague somatic complaints, which is, I feel tired. I feel sick. My back hurts. So in that case, and again, we don't, we don't need to solve the mystery of that in terms of like, what's making you anxious? I think I've told the story before where people say, you know, well, she's so worried every morning before she goes to school, she has a tummy ache and her teacher is nice and we've made sure there's no bullies and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And they go, we don't understand what's making her anxious. It's just uncertainty. Worriers can be in a chronic state of physical arousal that
0: gives them these, these physical symptoms for sure. You have a child who has chronic tummy aches or chronic headaches. Mm-hmm. Since we talk a lot about you know the key to mental health being the ability to create distance from one's feelings, does mm-hmm. an awareness of this pattern help empower a child or an adult to start managing it? Absolutely. Because once you understand the physiology of it,
1: Again, then it makes it less scary. And one of the things that then happens is that you can talk about the tummy ache without that way of them saying, like, they have to prove to you that you're that they're sick. And then you're actually talking about the problem at hand. So I'll give you an example. Oftentimes, I'm, when I'm dealing with schools and we're trying to come up with a plan for a little kid that that goes to the school nurse all the time. So they go to the school nurse and they always have, let's say they, they go and they have a tummy ache. And maybe they're going to the school nurse four times a week, or even just every Monday morning, they show up in the school nurse's office. Part of what I want written into their plan is that when they go to see the school nurse, because the school nurse is a wonderful resource and can be really helpful with this. When they go to see the school nurse, I want them to walk in and say, Mrs. Smith, my worry is bothering me and it's giving me a tummy ache. So now Mrs. Smith is going to help them, you know, again, externalize and have do a little role playing with their worry instead of treating them as if they're sick. As soon as we give kids information about this and we can call it what it is, it is really empowering. In
0: order to have these accommodation plans in place with school nurses, are there a lot of steps that are challenging or are the nurses willing to take that information? And are the kids willing to cooperate with that information too? Or is that a wish list? No, it's pretty realistic. I will tell you,
1: school nurses are my favorite people to train. I love school nurses because they're so good at this and they're such a good resource. One of the things when I talk to them about it, it, they have to undo a little bit of their assessment training because when a kid comes in and says, I don't feel good, there's a series of steps that they go through to make sure that the kid isn't sick. But once we've identified what we call a frequent flyer, so once we know that this is a, a little person who's got these somatic symptoms... And we talk about it, the school nurses are awesome. You know, the other thing, too, to, to remember, and, and parents will ask this question, like, how do I know if they're sick? Or, you know, what if, it, what if what if they really are sick? What if they have tummy aches because they're anxious and then there's a time when they really are sick? You know, then that would be terrible to make that mistake. And what I talk to families about is that it, it, there there may be a time when you miss it, right? Or there may be a time when you're you're not right about it. There was um, a girl that I saw for a long time, and she was definitely a nurse visitor. And so the school nurse where she went to school totally had this down, like this is a veteran school nurse, and I we had a great uh, agreement that she, she knew what to do. And then a new school nurse came in, you know, a young rookie school nurse, So this little girl starts going down to the nurse again, and the nurse is calling the mom again and saying like, oh, she's got stomach pain. She might have an appendicitis. And the mom is like, oh my gosh, we've been down this before. So I put the fear of God into this new young school nurse, I think, and told her, you know, this is what you're supposed to do when she shows up. So a few months later, the little girl goes down to the nurse and she says, I'm not feeling well. And the nurse says, you know, remember, you know, Rin Lyon said, don't fall for it. She's like, I think it's your worry. Go back to class. So the little girl goes back to class and she's sitting there and she's like looking more flushed and more droopy. And the teacher goes and puts her hand on her forehead and she's really hot. So she sends her back to the school nurse again saying, I think she's really sick. So they take her temperature. Her temperature is like 103 or they call the mom. And then she ended up having strep throat. So she comes into my office after all this happens and she is mad at me. She's like, that school nurse didn't know I was sick and you didn't believe me. And I was really sick. And so I said to her, so I said to the mom, how long did it take from the time when she went down for her first appointment to when you got the call and retrieved red school? And the mom was like, I don't know, it was probably like an hour and a half. And so I said to this little girl, all right, so I'll make that deal anytime. You had to suffer with your strep throat for an hour and a half. I'm sorry that you were sick. I'm glad we figured it out. But the way that worry ran your life for the year prior to this, right, I'll take that hour and a half. And as because because the system we have now to recognize how your worry takes over your body has been so, so helpful to and you. She folded
0: her arms and went,
1: hmm. Yes, <laughs> yes, that's exactly right. And I think there was a little eye roll in there too. But helping, I mean, and that's the differentiation that we have to do. Now, let me just say this too. If a child is coming to see me and they've got physical symptoms, like they're, they're getting bad tummy aches or they're getting bad headaches or things like that, I want them to get a clean bill of health. I'm not the one who's going to decide that. I'm not the one who's going to say, oh, well, you're having these terrible stomach aches. They must be your worry. Most of the time when kids come to see me, they've already been down that route. They've already they've already gone and gotten examination. There are certain diagnoses that kids get, actually, that in the anxiety biz are sort of like, ooh. Yeah. So one is called functional abdominal pain. And these are pain syndromes. A functional abdominal pain means that your system is functional. That's why we call it functional. Everything's working. Like the food is emptying and you're going to the bathroom, but you still have abdominal pain. And that's very often anxiety related. And there are a few other diagnoses that when I hear them, then that is a little, that's a little like, oh, of course you have that diagnosis because it tends to be those things we see that are exacerbated by anxiety. But once we know that physically they're good to go, then we can start educating and talking and helping the child and the parent make those connections between worry and the physical symptoms in your body. Robin and I travel a lot. And part of traveling is that you learn that you have to compromise, right? So maybe you're not gonna get the best seat on the plane. Well, you know where you shouldn't compromise? You shouldn't compromise with your health care When it comes to your health, There's no compromising, everybody. Don't go back to that one doctor who didn't really pay attention to you, who rushed you through your appointments. Check out ZocDoc. This is the place where you can find and book doctors who will make you feel comfortable, listen to you, and prioritize your health. And you can search by location, availability, insurance. So literally no compromises here. ZocDoc is a free app and website where you can search and compare highly rated, in-network doctors near you and instantly book appointments with them online. Once you find the doc you want, you can book them immediately. You don't have to wait. You don't have to be on hold with a receptionist. These doctors all have verified reviews from real patients. So, Go to ZocDoc.com slash fluster and download the ZocDoc app for free. Then find and book a top rated doctor today. That's Z O C D O C dot com slash fluster. ZocDoc dot com slash fluster.
0: You know, when you're listening to a song on the radio, and you just have this feeling that the song was written about you or that it was someone that you love trying to say something to you. Well, now imagine the power to gift that same incredible feeling to someone you love with an original song that actually is about them and about your relationship and that Songfinch writes just for you. Songfinch lets you create an original radio quality song inspired by your own life and the people that you love. It's completely unique, it's personal, and it lasts forever. I had the pleasure of creating a family song with Songfinch about our summer celebrations that we have every year. I knew it was going to make everybody cry, and it certainly did. I got to be honest, I was even crying giving all of the information and helping personalize my song with the writer that I chose. He absolutely delivered a beautiful acoustic song that captured exactly what I was looking for, and it was so fun to share with the family. So whether your song is for Father's Day, an upcoming graduation, a wedding or an anniversary, or even just a gift to show your loved one how much you care, start your song now to lock in one of Songfinch's top artists. Don't waste another dollar on more stuff. It only takes four to seven days, but that song will last forever. For a limited time, Songfinch is letting our listeners upload their song to Spotify for free so you and the lucky person or people can listen to it anywhere, anytime. So go to songfinch.com fluster and start your song. After you purchase, you'll be prompted to add Spotify streaming for your original song for free, a $50 value. Again, the URL is songfinch.com slash Don't forget to share your song with us too in our Facebook group, songfinch.com slash fluster. Mom, can I have more time? This is what you'll hear when you use a circle to manage your kid's screen time. What do you think of the circle? I hate it. Why do you hate it? Well, I don't actually hate it, but I feel like it's good that I'm not spending as much time on the internet. It lets you set daily limits for different apps and social media. It also controls your kids' Wi-Fi schedules, and you can adjust age-appropriate filters for searches from little kids to teens. Our affiliate link will get you $20 off a circle. I love it. But it's still annoying in the moment. I'm sure it is. (laughs) This actually brings up a great listener question that we got that inspired this episode. So are you ready? I'm ready. When your child has physical complaints, it's so hard to know when to push them. Stomach aches, headaches, pains to still go to school or a sports practice or to not pick them up from a friend's house. It feels like you're ignoring your child's physical distress. When they're sick or in pain, you tend to them. When you suspect the pain is anxiety related, it's near impossible to say to them, well, this stomach ache isn't one we're going to allow for you to miss school. But the other day, the stomach ache was the kind that you can miss school for. It's so hard to force them to push through something when the complaint is physical. So what do you do? How do you tell the difference? And, and what you want to look for is you want to look for a pattern.
1: If you've got a kid who complains a lot of physical issues, so it might be this, it sounds like this is a little person who can sort of have a headache and a tummy ache and aches and pains, right? We call those vague somatic symptoms. If this is a pattern, you want to pay attention to that. And are they are they more likely to have physical symptoms when they're going to something new or when they have to go to soccer practice or when they're going to a sleepover. So tr- trust your observational skills, mom, that, you know, it seems that there may be something that she's stepping into that's going to trigger some worry. Sometimes you might be wrong and that's okay. This is not about perfection. But what you want to work on with, with your child is you want to have that conversation that says, it is really okay for you to be worried about something. And we know that the body reacts to worry in different ways. And so if you're stepping into something new, or you're doing something that feels challenging, I bet we can expect that worry is going to show up. And along with worry, because remember, we talked about that mind body connection, you might have some physical symptoms too. So really starting with that psychoeducational piece. And I think oftentimes, and it sounds a little bit what this mom is saying too, is that she doesn't want to feel like she's not tending and caring and loving her child who's who's struggling. I just want you to love and care and tend to the right thing. So if your daughter is worrying and has a tummy ache, we don't want to say, I'm not going to pay attention to that tummy ache. You go off to soccer practice because then we're not using that opportunity to teach her about how her worry operates. So you want to be loving and supporting and and encouraging, but you want to help her make the connection between her body and her mind. Now, I teach this to kids in my office all the time. And some kids are very like, oh, that makes sense. And other kids are like, no, I have a tummy ache and what are you talking about? So it's not an easy sell all the time. And sometimes it's a process of helping them see that connection. And sometimes when kids absolutely get it, so they know that they get stomach aches when they're worried. There are still times when the mom will say, you know what, I think your stomach ache is because you're worried about going to baseball practice. And the kid's like, it is not. And stop saying that. I mean, this this is not like a nice linear path where kids are like, oh, that's so helpful that you pointed that out to me. But we want to just keep helping them make that connection. One of the things that I do to help kids make the connection is I want to take it out of their experience and give them examples that are a little farther away from them. And so I'll ask kids, what are some things that you think your body does in reaction to the way that you feel? I want to help them understand the mind-body connection. We might talk about blushing we might talk about how if you're a little bit thirsty and you see an ad on TV and they're pouring some lemonade into a cup with ice and it's going clinka, clinka, right? And oh my gosh, your, your, your mouth starts to feel even drier and you start craving that drink. Or if I started talking to you about lice that you would reach up and want to scratch your head, I'm working to help them normalize and see the connection between their mind and their body, their thoughts and their reactions. So then when I'm talking about their worry in their tummy, I've already put it into kind of this normal realm of human experiences, and it doesn't seem so out of the norm for them to have that reaction.
0: By definition, are all of the physical symptoms of anxiety- still considered psychosomatic? Or is that something different?
1: Yeah. So psychosomatic just means that you've got a physical symptom that's caused by some mental or emotional state. You have a tension headache, or you've got butterflies in your tummy because you're about to compete in something. Or for me, when I get nervous, when I get really anxious about something, I get cold and I start to sort of physically shake. So psychosomatic, those somatic reactions. And what happens And it really is pretty astounding. Like, we should be in admiration of this mind body connection because it can be astounding where people will have reactions where they'll lose the use of their legs. Or, I had one little boy long, long ago, and this wasn't really a psychosomatic reaction, but it's certainly a mind body connection reaction where he came to see me and he was wearing these cute little like Harry Potter glasses. And he was so stressed out. He was just such a worrier. And so then he came back a year, I I didn't see him for a while. And he came back like a year later, because he needed just a little, a little boost, a little check in. And he wasn't wearing his glasses. I, I said to him, Oh, where are your glasses? Did you get contacts or something like that? And the mom says, No, interestingly, After we worked on his anxiety and he was able to really learn how to manage his stress, we went back for his eye checkup and his eyes had gone back to normal. His stress was so significant that it was impacting the muscles around his eyes and impacting his vision. It really is, it it is a power that we have, the connection between our mind and our body. It really is something to be looked at with, with awe. I mean, it really is unbelievable and I think when we put it in those terms for kids, that we say, it is amazing what your body does. It is amazing how your body can, I, I don't want to say create these symptoms, but have these symptoms based on what you're thinking or what you're feeling. It's because your mind and your body are so connected. It's really pretty cool. And then that way we, we take away again that like, oh, you say I'm faking. Because I say, no, I, I, I don't think you're faking. I think this is a superpower that we have. And sometimes anxiety uses it, you know, for its own purposes.
0: You know, you always talk about the externalization Mm -hmm. of your worry. Mm -hmm. When they understand that connection, these conversations will go a lot better. And if you are skipping this part of the education with them, they're going to be defensive. This is a real tummy ache. What are you talking about? Right. So if you're a parent and you're listening to this, hey, 2020, right? Like a lot mm-hmm. of people might be experiencing more physical symptoms from their own stress than they had before too. So it's it's like a good wake-up call to see is your body letting you know that you're carrying an anxiety load that right. needs attention.
1: Yeah, and that's such a good point because- So say, you know, when when we get defensive about it and we say, oh, you know, I have a real tummy ache, we're missing the opportunity to say, is my body telling me something that I should be paying attention to? It's really, it's really saying if your body is having this fight or flight response in a chronic way, and it's totally, you know, making you have chronic chest pain or back pain or diarrhea, you know, your body and brain are like, we think we're being chased by a grizzly bear all the time. That's a real wake up call that maybe you better step back, but look at your lifestyle. Look at your, the pressure you're putting on yourself. Look at your self care. Our body lets us know if we can teach that to kids, that's a really important thing for them to understand, a really important thing for them to be able to monitor in their se- in, in themselves. There's this other thing too, just to be a little psychobabbly, but there's this other thing called anxiety sensitivity. And that refers to an overreaction to normal symptoms of anxiety in the body. And you have a really hard time... M- Acknowledging or connecting that it's anxiety. So, an example of that might be say you're going for a job interview and you're really, you really want the job and you wake up in the morning and your tummy feels a little weird and you say to yourself, Oh my gosh, you know, I'm so nervous about this and my tummy feels weird. So, I'm not going to eat any breakfast or I'm going to skip that cup of coffee and I'm going to make sure I put extra deodorant on, right? That's you acknowledging that your body has symptoms when you're anxious about something. If you have anxiety sensitivity, you're, you're going into the job interview. Your heart is pounding because you're, you know, nervous about it. And then you start worrying that now you're having a cardiac event. So you really get anxious about the physical symptoms that you're having that are generally normal symptoms based on a normal level of anxiety. And that becomes this vicious cycle that, that kids and adults can get caught in.
0: I can't remember what this what zodiac sign this is in Chinese astrology, but 2020 is definitely the year of the grizzly bear.
1: Well, I think we we you know are sort of walking around a, a lot, feeling under attack, right? So so even just think of when the virus started, and I remember my husband going to the grocery store at first, and we didn't know much about this, and he was wearing gloves and, and a, a hat and a mask and just being, he said, going to the grocery store was so anxiety producing. So you think about that. Remember, this primitive brain doesn't know much. It knows danger, no danger. That's it. So, so he's going to the grocery store. And while he's grocery shopping, he might as well be in Montana in grizzly bear country, because he's feeling that way. When I was in Montana in grizzly bear country, I was anxious the whole freaking time.
0: Yeah, it's, it's intense of the psychological heaviness. And then, like, there's a whole other episode of for the hypochondriacs out there, or like, mm-hmm. we're all hypochondriacs in a global epidemic, too. That's of, right. Of, oh, here are these symptoms. And then you immediately jump to COVID, too. So it's just, right. it's so much somatic awareness is really required this year not to get tripped up.
1: Yeah. And so the question, you know, the question we could ask in general, What's your grizzly bear? So certainly this was a pretty global grizzly bear. We had this virus, but everybody, it's so interesting to me how different people have their different grizzly bears. Like some people it's snakes, some people it's heights, some people it's speaking in public. And the point of it is, is that if you are stepping in all the time to situations which your your brain perceives you are in danger. It wears you out. And that's why we feel so worn out. Like you say, you're going to the grocery store trying to figure out whether or not you're allowed to breathe. You're, you're, you're sending your kids back to school. Think about all the teachers that were going back into schools and weren't sure about this and how stressful it was. I mean, I think when we talk about how exhausted a lot of us feel, it's because our body is in this, this state of fight or flight. You know, for some people it is, but it's not like, you know, your heart rate is, is way high all the time, but it's this chronic hypervigilance that we're all experiencing and
0: our body is activated During those times of emotional stress, everyone is just living with this baseline of fight or flight right now. Hugs to all of those wonderful school nurses that, and teachers and healthcare workers and parents who are really managing a lot.
1: And let me just say this, because that's a really good point. Let
0: me just, let me just generalize
1: it a little bit more as we talk about sort of parenting and modeling, like I like to talk about. Forget about the pandemic for specifically for a little bit. When I talk about the emotional tone in your house, when I talk about what you're modeling, when I talk about whether or not you're a catastrophic parent, just be aware that if you are in that chronic state of worry so that you're activated all the time, make sure or pay attention to the fact that that's contagious. And so you're showing your little cubs how to be in that chronic state as well. That's how it gets passed down a lot. When we talk about anxious kids and anxious parents, if your amygdala is open for business, you are showing your kids how to do that. And it's really contagious. Hard now. I get it. I get it. I get it. But just in general, that's just an important point for me to make because I really want to make sure that we recognize how contagious and transferable this is, both in a positive way and a negative way.
0: Positive if we are transferring and being contagious with our strategies to Mm -hmm. manage it. Right. And that's great to know that those can be just as contagious as the pathological behavior. If you are an adult who has a lot of somatic
1: symptoms and you talk about them a lot, you're also showing your kids that. So I see that in families a lot too. So instead of talking about their feelings or saying, I'm feeling so angry or gosh, I'm so nervous that my tummy hurts. If you're somebody who comes from a long line of psychosomatic people, then that is really contagious too. So we used to call it hypochondriac. Now we call it a somatization disorder. My husband was raised by one and he was very hypochondriacal when I met him. He had all these terms for normal things. Like, you know, when you get that little bump on your tongue that sometimes, you know, they're annoying, they feel like they're big. He calls that a herniated taste bud. And when he has a stuffy nose, he calls it a nasal infection. He's got all these terms that are totally... I'm like, you just have a little canker sore on your tongue. He's like, yeah, that's a herniated taste bud. That's weird. But his mom is a total hypochondriac and he recognizes it now and he's come a long way. But boy, when I met him, I was like, geez, I didn't know somebody could have so many maladies.
0: In my family, one of my grandparents is, you know, all of this to a T. And fortunately, Mm -hmm. it didn't pass on to my parents. Mm -hmm. But that language of using your health and your symptoms to sort of control your environment around you too, right? just to always have a symptom that's preventing you from doing what you don't want to do or, or participating in family experiences.
1: And we've got all these phrases that we use, right? So, oh my God, what a pain in the neck or, oh, that is going to be a headache. That made me sick, right? We use that. We recognize that in just in our phrases, in our language. One of the uh, psychiatrists in my very first job out of graduate school Dr. Don West, what a great teacher he was. He said to me, you know what, Lynn, remember, nothing happens from your neck down unless it happens from your neck up first.
0: So I have to share that, as I mentioned, I have this grandparent who is a hypochondriac. Mm -hmm. And my son, when he was like six or seven, after having heard conversations with this grandparent on speakerphone in the car or whatever else, Mm -hmm. he finally said, if I ever know if it's You know, my great grandma talking, the second she says the word diarrhea, I know it's her. (laughs) And actually, so the second he said that, what was funny is uh, this is merging two episodes. I find it stressful hearing her talk about her health symptoms, but my son made it a game. And we talked about this with (gasps) difficult mothers-in-law in in the last episode. And so it became a game of how many times she would mention diarrhea in a phone call. And then I shared it with my other relatives who have to care for and hear the health log of my grandmother. And it made us all find like a giggle in something that was otherwise very stressful.
1: Perfect. There you go. Fun with (laughs) diarrhea. Anybody can play.
0: Join the Fluster Clucks Facebook group so that you can ask your question on a future episode.
1: Bye, Lynn. Bye, Robin. If you're a parent, I invite you to join us at the Mindful Mama podcast, where it's all about becoming a less irritable, more joyful parent. With sometimes hilarious and always thought-provoking experts and friends, at Mindful Mama, we know that you cannot give what you do not have. And when you have calm and peace within, then you can give it to your children. I'm Hunter Clark-Fields, and I can't wait to see you there. Listen in to the Mindful Mama podcast.